Okay, everybody, hello. Welcome to the fourth episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. As usual, I'm your co host, Michael. And I'm Josh. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the Spider Man comics from October 1980. Uh, I think we're going to start off with talking about Amazing Spider Man number uh, 209. You know what's funny though is before you get to that, I actually mm-hmm. noticed something today as I was uh, getting ready for today's episode. We are committed to reviewing every Spider-Man comic from every month, ever. Right. But you realize that there's, there was technically another Spider-Man comic published during this time that we completely, completely forgot about. Really? Are you? Yeah. Are you aware of the existence of Spidey Super Stories? No, actually, I don't think I am. Because. <clears throat> when I was a kid, the, Spider-Man is the first comic book character that, that I was like, obsessed with where I was like, I have to get every single comic he's ever appeared in. Right. And, and, you know, I, you, you discover Marvel Team-Up, then Marvel Tales, then whatever, Web of Spider-Man. And then over, then a couple years later, I'm like, what? Spidey Super Stories? Well, anyway, it turns out this was a comic co-produced by Marvel Comics and The Electric Company. So there used to be a TV show called The Electric Company, and I've never seen it, but older fans will know about this. And I'm not sure what it was, but it was like a kid's variety show, and Spider- it was, this was the first appearance of Spider-Man in live action, and he was actually an actor dressed up as Spider-Man. Huh. And he would like interact with kids, and but he would never talk. He would only have, uh, I think, speech bubbles or thought bubbles. Oh, wow. And it was also a, a, the, one of the very first ever um, acting jobs for Morgan Freeman, of all people. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, so like the month that we're reviewing right now, it would have been Spidey Super Stories number 49. And it's actually written by Stephen Grant and drawn by Wynne Mortimer from Superman fame. But I will not, you know, uh, I will not increase our burden of reading more Spider-Man <laughs> comics only because these are not in continuity and they're directed at a younger audience. So maybe maybe another, you know, spider cast for another day, but not today. So. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, yeah, let's get to Amazing. Talk to me. What's, uh, let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man 209. Yeah, so Amazing Spider-Man 209, we see the return of Kraven the Hunter. And uh, he's teamed up with um, Calypso. Cal- Calypso, Calypso, yeah. Yeah, I forgot her name briefly. And uh, it's, it's kind of a bizarre story I found at the beginning. He, yeah. Kraven has sure some is. sort of plan, but it's not exactly clear what it is with this like Noah's Ark that's full of animals of two mm-hmm. and you know you know he doesn't he doesn't really explain his plan too much but it's something to do with luring Spider-Man in and it kind of all goes away and the animals get loose and Spider-Man has to go and save the animals while also confronting Kraven the Hunter you know i got to say this is this could be the worst issue we've read yet yeah. <laughs> in some ways like the motivation is so weak. Like basically, Craven is sort of practicing hunting or whatever. He's like throwing his spear, right. and Calypso is sort of taunting him. But it's it's such a weak. It's one of those things where I guess the, it, it, there's like a thing in storytelling, like why now? And it's mm-hmm. like really this this is where she chooses to have this conversation about sort of taunting him that you know well if you really cared you'd go hunt him down like you know. And it's just sort of like, why at this point, why did she choose now? So it's really weak motivation. Mm-hmm. And then then it gets to, like you said, this whole thing about him on this boat. Um, and it gets very confusing because <clears throat> here's the thing. The art by, is it Alan Wise? Mm-hmm. Alan Wise. He's obviously a, a technically good artist, but he's one of those guys 
who, in my opinion, was is not appropriate to comics. He's just too focused on realism, and he's is not focused enough on storytelling. Right. And so there's this weird. I, I, so, sorry. Go I, ahead. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think that his art is really good, but it's not always great for storytelling. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that I think the one thing he is good at uh, storytelling wise is those really dramatic moments with like the close up of people's faces. Okay. Yeah. There, there are a couple of moments in here that I really mm-hmm. loved, um, particularly on page three of digital, I think two of the original, um, about the middle of the page, there's this like really close up of Craven's face. And he's yes. like cast in this dramatic yellow light. That's almost like coming from beneath him and his face right. is like cast in shadow. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of, you know, talking about uh, about his hate for for Spider Man and and then mm-hmm. Calypso's kind of in the corner and kind of uh, downplays him and and you know kind sure. of jokes about him mm-hmm. monologuing and then even you know the next page he's you know recalling his last encounter with Spider Man and it has, again has this really dramatic lighting while he's like thinking and recalling what happened last. So there's there I think that there's a couple of moments where it really works <clears throat> to kind of have this like melodramatic uh tension. Sure. But for the most part, yeah, I think some of the staging doesn't really work and it might be a little he might be trying a little too hard to be uh realistic like you were saying. Well, I think with a lot of these artists and I'll go even as far as to include um Alex Ross in this category. Mm-hmm. Which you know everyone loves Alex Ross. I mean, I like him too. But the thing with those these types of artists is because they're so focused on uh, like realism, and I mean, I'm sure that they've learned to draw by you know looking at models, and they probably use models a lot for their their stuff. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, he's great at close ups. He's great at, at expression and detail because that's probably his specialty, right? But right. it's almost like when you pull the camera back, things get awkward because right. It's, it's like you mentioned staging it's like he doesn't quite know where to put people in the frame and there's like weird scenes that we'll talk about later on of people running down alleys and it just it's almost like he's great just at portraits you could say like yeah. a facial portrait and body but like once people start running around and you know doing different things it sort of mm-hmm. falls apart a bit you know so I actually have a question about Al, Alan Wise is sure. he I'm not super familiar with him uh, but is he more of a cover artist? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> or I, I, I mean, sure? he's one okay. of those. Yeah, he's he's one of those names I definitely came across a lot during this era. Mm-hmm. But I don't know much about him. I'll do okay. a quick Google as we're talking. Uh, because I I feel like because I I kind of like the cover. It's it's a nice pose and it does have a lot of detail. But because I'm assuming they would get a little bit more time on the cover. It works better than a lot of the sure. the rest of the comic. So I'm wondering if he is somebody that's more of a uh, you know artist who does covers rather than entire issues, and that's maybe where the downfall kind of came from. <sighs> Could be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually looking through his bibliography, and apparently he worked on Tom Strong, which I was a huge. Did you ever read Tom Strong? No, I, I haven't. Oh, it's Alan Moore's uh, like tribute to sort of Silver Age superheroes. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, it's really, really good, like endlessly re- rereadable. I just, I absolutely love it. 
Uh, I'm skimming through his um, his work, and I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that did a little bit of everything. Right, he kind of just but, bounced around from... Yeah, I don't see I don't any know. really long runs on anything, so he's okay. probably just one of those guys that was just around. Right. I'm not saying he's not a good artist, he's definitely good, but... He I is, yeah, for sure. He's just not maybe appropriate for this, but... Mm-hmm. but and, like, you know, I wonder if he got his own run of something, if you, you know, would have been able to kind of slip into that story and, and that art and kind of feel more comfortable and it, he would get better over time and maybe that's you know something that kind of leads to it feeling a little bit less put together and a little bit more sloppy at some points sure that, that could totally be it yeah, yeah that could totally be it um i it, <clears throat> as far as the storytelling there's a weird part that I, it was kind of good but kind of not good it's on digital page six right and it's okay so craven's just got off the boat Sorry, on page five, Spider-Man's looking at the boat. He sees the animals getting off. Now Craven comes off. So then back on page six, it's like, okay, so now we've got a shot of Spider-Man swinging away, which it's kind of, a, again, not a, not a great action mm-hmm. shot, but there's sort of action lines to show that he's swinging away. And then, and then this is what it says, gazing at the red and blue figure, Craven murmurs, could he possibly know that we've entered the country? Could he be on his way to notify the authorities? Then, then he says out loud, no, that would not be his style. Calypso? Calypso? And it's all black behind him. Apparently, Calypso's completely disappeared, and now she's got, you know, instituting her own little plan where she's unlocking the cage that these animals mm-hmm. are in to let them go loose. Then the next panel, the animals are out of their cages, stampeding, run. Nearby, the cry is heard. Like, this page, to me, is a mess. Yeah, because, it is all yeah, over the place. Yeah, like Craven's running down the aisle. Calypso's now behind him, smiling. And then it's like, again, if you if you were to take all the dialogue out of this page and all the captions and look at it, what in tarnation is going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I completely yeah, agree with you. I, I did like the fact that they, they kind of incorporated the weird shot of Spider-Man swinging away into what he was thinking. Like, he's suspicious, but mm-hmm. Spider-Man doesn't actually know. That's kind of cool. But everything else is a mess. You know, and then the next page is weird shot of of, of Craven running around an alley, and it just yeah, it, ugh, I don't know. I mean, even leading into kind of what happens next with this like supermodel on the building, right? Which is completely bizarre, might I add? Yep. It was just it, was, it felt really out of place. This totally uh, this bald eagle that uh, you know got loose from from this arc swooped down and picked up a supermodel that was being photographed on a rooftop and threw her off the building and Spider-Man comes and saves her. So even when it goes into here where where the action should be really clear, it still feels kind of muddled and it jumps around so much. Right. So it's funny because I just finished um, the other day uh, reviewing the Galactus trilogy by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Okay. Like FF. And my God, I mean, I know there's people out there that don't appreciate Kirby, but you want to talk about clear storytelling. Like, the, the, it's just, it's it's a completely separate art form from like illustration or, mm. you know, whatever. He's just, he's effortlessly perfect. It's just amazing. So anyway, I don't, I don't want to, you know, get on a Kirby kick, but anyway, it's just on my mind because he's so good, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so then this issue, I don't know what to say about it. Like there's yeah. a lot of more taunting from Calypso and then we touch in, you know, we, we always kind of check in on Peter's um, personal life with his, I guess he's got this new kind of boss. 
Right. Um, who's uh, deli- who's basically admitting that he wants to deliberately falsify? Uh, oh yeah, so, he, so yeah, like a they can scandalous frame some teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, I'm sure maybe that'll lead somewhere. I doubt it. But um, then we get this really awkward subplot with Spider Woman. Right, and I thought that it was interesting that they did in like kind of show a little bit of Spider Woman, but it didn't really connect. No, like it, it felt go- it felt disjointed. And I and when I saw the pager initially, I'm like, oh, cool, they're gonna tie it into the Marvel team up from last week or from last month. Sure. Because that one was with Hulk and Spider Woman, so I thought that maybe there was a, maybe there was a reason why they had this gap where it wasn't Spider Man and they uh-huh. brought in Spider Woman to kind of bring you into this story, but still, no, and it really had nothing to do with it. Um, nope, nothing. No, they they must have been really trying to push the Spider Woman comic. Sure. Because they they even say say in here, in case you're wondering, the foregoing vignette featured spider woman who appears monthly in her own magazine yeah so like, I, I wonder if it was struggling maybe at the time and they were really trying to push this character and trying to drive uh an audience towards her comic i think you're totally right i mean i think it spider woman only lasted maybe 30 issues so yeah it really? probably was struggling yeah. yeah which you know i mean it does irritate me a little bit but at the end of the day i mean it's a commercial comic, and what do you expect, right? For so. sure, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but so anyway, so yeah, this story, it doesn't really get much better. <laughs> I mean, uh, no. Spider-Man makes his way to uh, the Museum of Natural History and mm-hmm. ends up sort of getting into this fight with Craven, and there's not really much to it. Um, it's a big fight scene. Right. Um, and then once again, uh, I got to say, you know, Denny O'Neill... I think this is the third or fourth time he's done it. There is no ending to this story. Yeah, exactly. I I was waiting for you to say this. Because, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like it, he, again, it just ends. Yeah. He like they're in the middle of a fight. The next blow landed is going to end this party. So I'm going to hit first. Such is the force of Spider-Man's punch that Craven is sent <laughs> sprawling into an unexpected reception. Of course, the police are all there waiting to arrest him. And then Spider-Man just runs away. Runs, so once yeah. again, not, like, not only is this like the third or fourth time that Denny O'Neill has just like ran out of space, but I think it's at least the second time it's ended by just a punch, hasn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer because again, I like to see when superheroes and supervillains use their strengths against each other, where this just really felt like another punching match, which is right, like never and fun. You, and when you say strengths, you mean like sort of like what is what what are Spider Man's abilities that make him unique? What what makes exactly. him smart? Not just punch, punch, right, punch, right? Right, and, and Craven's ability to hunt. So if you right. Know, if maybe Spider-Man tried to do something to kind of get the upper hand on Craven, but, you know, he knows how to hunt in the dark or something like that, or, you, you know, like, I don't sure. know. It's something to kind of add to the fact that it's Craven the Hunter. Right. What makes, what makes him so much harder to defeat than anybody else? Like, exactly. it, it's, I don't know. So, yeah, th- this issue kind of fell flat to me. Um, <sighs> Very... <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and um, which sucks too because I saw Craven the Hunter and I thought, oh, this is this might be good, and sure, unfortunately not. Well, and like like I mentioned, uh, there, there is that website Spidey Kicks Butt, and the you know the uh, 
creator of that website has said that this era of Denny O'Neill Amazing Spider-Man is among the worst in the character's history, and I'm kind of starting to see why, you know? Right. It's just nothing memorable. Like, I mean, I think we're, what, three or four issues into his run, and yeah, it's pretty bad so far, so... Mm-hmm. But uh, now... Oh, actually, real quick before we move on. (laughs) No problem. I just want to say that I thought that the writing even was a little weird in this one, too. Like the dialogue? Yeah, especially with Peter Parker and Deb. Okay. It it didn't feel like it was Peter Parker talking. Yes. Actually, I made a note that he was like a dick, right? Yeah, he was a complete dick. Like, it, it, it sounded like it was written for like Stark or somebody that was kind of like the cocky, arrogant, you know, you know, it just was not him. Like there at one point she's talking about how her uncle's being threatened by these thugs. And if I know that, Oh my God, it might be a lot to ask, but could you help my uncle? He he's in danger. No can do. I think, sorry, this is exactly what he says. No chance, Deb. Sorry. And then runs off. He's like, yeah. anyways, like, you don't have time between the globe and studying and teaching. I just don't have time. And then, I, <laughs> and then leaves. I, like, that's it's exactly just... it. I could not oh. believe that was in there. It was horrible. Yeah, that, that's just not Peter Parker. It just felt nope wrong. Absolutely, I'm with you on that. That it, it was just, and again, why is the editor not catching this? Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's just very bizarre. Uh huh. Uh, I'm just checking my notes to see if there's anything else. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got yeah. ending is shit. Um, that's about all I've got here. Um, oh, there was another note. There's a okay. point um, where... Oh, I forgot about this little subplot where Craven thought that Spider-Man released the animals. Oh, right. Yeah, like, it's just like, why... I guess it's one of those things of... Why introduce that complication? Like, like why even... Yeah, it, it felt very convoluted and, and weird. Yeah, like, before our combat begins, can you offer a reason for releasing the animals this afternoon? I don't know what you're talking about. You deny the human explanation? And it's just like, you know, if you could just simply cut that out, it would just make things, it would streamline things, yeah. right? Yeah, like, this, doesn't he already have a reason to hate Spider-Man? Right. Like, he, he already does hate him and want to hunt him and kill him yeah. Why, what's the what's the point in in adding this like what does it add to the story and the answer is nothing like nothing this whole, this whole animal arc arc doesn't even really make sense nope like it doesn't add anything to the story absolutely not nope you're right so basically just a bad issue all around <laughs> yeah yeah I agree. um unfortunately so now we're gonna move on to a slightly better issue, and that's yeah. Amazing Spider-Man Annual 14. And this is um, still written by Denny O'Neill, surprisingly, mm-hmm. but it's drawn by Frank Miller. And um, I actually just recently reviewed um, an early issue of Daredevil by Frank Miller. Yeah. And, uh, oh. yeah, he, you know, he's one of those guys, I'm never really sure how I feel about his art because I came in as a fan of his writing first. And right. then I got exposed to his art on Dark Knight Returns and then Daredevil. But um, I guess, uh, so So Mike Dell, my co-host on Flea Market Fantasy, he's a mm-hmm. huge fan of Frank Miller. What are your feelings about Frank Miller? I, I, I really like Frank Miller. I think that um, his style lends to a lot of like, maybe a little bit more on the, the, on the, the darker side, sure. like the darker tone, a little bit more gritty. I mean, with Sin City and 
his mm-hmm. run with with Batman. Um, I think that he, I think he he's got a very unique style, and you can tell mm-hmm. when it's him. And at times it felt a little out of place with Spider Man, but then because he's kind of dealing with Doctor Strange and the whole like, you know. Mm-hmm. weird like mystical magical side of of the marvel comics i think it, he kind of fit for this issue sure um especially when he starts going into oh, it's not the quantum realm it's the um yeah what is it called i'm not even sure what they call it limbo or uh, something i'm yeah. not sure but, but i think well the thing with me is that i i tend to like um artists like are you are you like are you really familiar with like say jack kirby uh steve steve ditko yeah okay because yeah. i i would definitely i would buy anything that kirby drew however mm-hmm. steve ditko who i do like it's taken me a long time to really get into him and one of the things okay. i don't like is i find his his line work is a little bit too loose and for me personally i prefer like do you know michael golden Yes, I am familiar with. Yeah, with Michael, Michael yeah. Golden to me is one of the best pencilers. Like his figures are exaggerated, and mm-hmm. you could say cartoony, but he his he's in such control of his line. Like even like a new modern day artist, like say Babstar, she is such a good cartoonist. Like it's just effortlessly perfect, right? Right. But when I look at like say this era of Frank Miller or Steve Ditko, I've always felt it was too loose for me. But mm-hmm. I've also but used to feel the same way about Will Eisner. Are you familiar with Will, Will Eisner? No, I think I'm a little less familiar with him. Okay, definitely check out Will Eisner. He's one of the okay. masters. But one of the things about him is that his his pencils are very loose. But okay. I've grown to really like him over the years. And so because right. of that, I think I'm starting to like Frank Miller more as well because I think he's heavily influenced by Will Eisner. And as we go through this issue, there's a few really good panels I want to point out. And uh, right. we're going to see examples of, I think, what I'm talking about. But um. Okay. So basically, and I think that sorry. Before we jump into the yeah. story, I think that um, I kind of got a little bit of Steve Ditko, Steve Steve Ditko like flair yeah. sure. to Frank's art in this issue, and sure. I'm, I'm wondering if it's maybe just because it is Doctor Strange, and like sure I, and Spider Man because he did Spider Man too, yeah. yeah. But I mean, particularly like with those like weird like spheres with the tubes running through sure. them and like. You know the the like fun like bubbly kind of clouds and smoke that's mm-hmm. kind of everywhere. It really had that classic Ditko feel to it. Absolutely. So I I I kind of just fell right into this issue. I had a lot of fun with it because the art kind of just felt so familiar. Sure. So. Um. And also, I should point out that when I am talking about page numbers, I won't be able to refer to digital page numbers because I'm reading the. I'm looking at the original here. Okay. So I'll just use, and it, I'll just give you the actual page numbers, and hopefully sure. it matches up with yours. But um, so basically, you know, to be honest, like, do you want to summarize the story because this thing's kind of complicated? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> there's a lot that kind of happens. Give with, you the hard job. I yeah. Mean, yeah the, so Doctor Doom kind of teams up with uh, uh, this kind of scientist guy to mm. open up this portal to Dormammu and Dormammu uses, uh, you know, Dormammu teleports the scientist to him and gives him these powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need this 
scientist to open up a door and they used the uh you know Stephen Strange as like the vessel to open up this creature or you know whatever it is they don't really even describe what it is so after getting the so after like kidnapping Stephen Strange essentially to uh, use him as a vessel to open up this Ben Sinister mm-hmm. uh, thing that they're trying to unlock uh, Spider-Man kind of gets this message sent to him and he's supposed to go and track down Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and through there he kind of battles the scientist and this robot that he's created and in the end ends up freeing Doctor Strange and ending this uh, ritual that's supposed to bring back this evil uh, that's pretty much the gist of it without going into like too much detail well just, and then it's, just it's to be a, clear I, I, sorry go ahead I was just going to say, there is a classic Denny O'Neill non-ending where, yeah. you know, Spider-Man, uh, I can't even explain what happens here, but basically... Uh, yeah, Spider-Man doesn't really have, like, Doctor Strange kind of says thanks after being freed right. and then leaves, but then you do kind of get a little bit of a, an epilogue with Doctor Strange. Yes. Or, sorry, um, Doctor Doom. Uh, so me. it's more it's not so, i mean spider-man's not even really the protagonist it's not really a spidey story like he's no. in it but um so i think that the reason this one is so much better than the other issue it's i mean it's frank miller like right no and I'm not, I'm not just saying his art is good i mean i'm gonna even though they don't give him credit for the plot i'm gonna assume that he just added so much to this it just made it that much more enjoyable to read you know yeah. like um if you just re- opening up right on like the um like, you know, on the first page, this kind of reminds me of there was a few issues ago where we saw something like this. It's, it looks like almost like a, an old book or something, you know? Right. Yeah, I think that the other one was like a, a fair, like a circus poster. Right. And this right, one right. feels like an old fairy tale book. You open right. it up to the first page and it's like kind of it has a little bit of a poem there before you jump into the story. And it's mm-hmm. got these like almost like classic illustrations Right. on either side of Doctor Strange and like this really bizarre spider version of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. So right away yeah. it kind of grabs you and uh, it made me at least interested to and, kind of see where this was going to go. And you know what's funny is now that I'm thinking about it, you know, most of the Frank Miller stuff I've seen Sin City, Batman, Daredevil, it's all been sort of urban crime, you know, thrillers right. or whatever. This is, I have never seen him do fantasy and it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's so at home, and I mean, like this, this you know, castle with the lightning in the background, and you know, this big like underground, you know, um, like lair. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just perfect. And obviously, I mean, Frank Miller is a master of design and layout and shadows, and it just, I mean, every page you could look at, there's just something, you know, that stick that sticks out. I think it's just great for sure. I'm just sort of going through it now, like oh. Um, let me see. There's a couple things here. Let me just find out. Oh, okay. On page, uh, original page nine. Okay. Look at that amazing shot of Doctor Strange sitting under the, his uh, infamous uh, Under the shaping. window? Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. So I great. love that shot. It is. It, it feels so, It feels classic. Like, I, I don't know if I've actually ever seen this, this panel before, but it feels like I have. Like, it feels yeah. just so at home looking at it. Like, it's... That is completely one hundred percent Doctor Strange. Yep. So and it's like, it's it's great that um, the writing and the art kind of lends itself to each other. 
mm-hmm. and they kind of you know make this really fun story to read and now yeah, if you so good yeah like now this is a double page spread but if you look on the top of that double page spread which is actually mm-hmm. the next page uh you see like the shot of like the his what is it called his um sanctum sanctorum yeah like you see like the water dripping off the ledge in <sighs> front of it that is uh, to me absolutely will eisner so just really? like yeah. when you when you get done say just google will eisner the okay. spirit oh my god that's absolutely something he would do it just it's amazing the texture and the perspective oh i love it um and then flipping through i'm just there's another one i wanted to mention um oh okay now i'll go to uh page 14 okay okay now you see all these shots of um this is sort of like him sending like a like a psychic flare to try and get help right and it's zipping past all these buildings now for all i know those might be photographs that he's just sort of drawn over because they do look pretty realistic but right you notice how on the fifth panel it ends up in that window like yeah. look at the shadow eh? oh just so great it's it's totally Sin City esque. Yeah, right? and the, the rain just like dripping right. down the window and yeah, and the lighting coming through. It's it's very good. Yeah, like and then like you you, know, you go through the next few pages and there's just oh okay oh my god okay go to page um, the ori- original page seventeen okay okay look at this shot this double page sh- spread of Spider Man. Oh, it's so good. Like it's perfect. It, it's it's almost like a parallel to the that classic Batman jumping off of the the roof cover with the oh, lightning the behind. Oh, Dark Knight it. Returns. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. It, it's so uh, it's so fun, and and it's like an upshot of of New York as well. So all right. of the buildings are kind of like this forced perspective mm-hmm. pointing towards Spider Man, and he's like Good right point. in the center of the panel with the lightning behind him, and he's it, the lighting is all red on him, and it's just right. so uh, it's so great. And also, I mean, Frank Miller's anatomy is ne- it's not really perfect, but here it looks great. Like with the mm-hmm. how the, behind the back of Spider-Man is all backlit, so it's all white. But then there's all the heavy shadows on the for like on the under, right? Underneath I mean, with all his, his muscles. His foot and is like facing right towards, right. You know, the the camera, uh-huh. quote unquote. And it's so it's completely black because it's the thing that's completely facing away from light. It's just yeah, so great, so good. And yeah. then if you look at the bottom, look at that weird shot of Spider-Man jumping down from like onto the street. There, you see that right. the bottom left. Like what? A, and again, it's like just when you think there's no new way to draw Spider-Man, he goes and does it right there. You know? Right. And and a lot of the times it feels like the panel or the camera is kind of swooping along with spider-man and there's a lot right. of action going on because it's kind of like it feels like almost like quick cuts because mm-hmm. it's like panel after panel after panel of like him doing a bunch of different acrobatics and swinging and then this one the panel is almost completely still and you see spider-man doing this action in the background so the three those three panels consecutively nothing uh-huh. moves in the panel besides spider-man bouncing in the background and if it right. wasn't if it wasn't if, if there wasn't a reason, I'd find it odd, but it was done on purpose so that you can tell the story of the gargoyle actually being alive and moving. Yes. Because it would, it would otherwise just be a very normal shot of, like, the gargoyle on the building with Spider-Man swinging through. And it's just, yeah, really, really great. Well, I that think... That one, I think, I, was, like, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of this 
issue. Yeah. Well, and that, that's he, oh, so good. He's obviously having fun and he's thinking mm-hmm. it through and he's just, wow, like what a great artist. Yeah. And then you, you get that final shot of uh, Spider-Man on the building all in red. But like, what a, again, what a great shot. And the texture yeah. on those gargoyles, eh? Oh, like the yeah. inking is so good. This is, uh, it's actually Tom Palmer. Are you familiar with Tom Palmer? No, I don't think so. He was the inker. I mean, his nowadays he's kind of famous for doing, uh, he did Kick-Ass. He was the inker on Kick-Ass. Oh, okay. But uh, he had a really long run on Avengers and a few other books. But his inking, I mean, we talked about uh, Klaus, uh, Klaus Janssen, I think, recently, did, mm-hmm. didn't we? Yes. No, okay, he's a great inker. He's perfect for Frank Miller. But I, I think Tom Palmer's right up there because he just gets the texture, you know, yeah. just right. So good. Um, yeah, like I could talk about almost every page yeah, or it's something. Very like good. Um, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about this briefly because we kind of went over the same exact thing. But if you go to page, I think it's going to be original fifteen. Okay. It'll be fifteen for you, so digital sixteen. Yeah. Um, with the 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 water tower tower bursting. Oh my god! Yeah, it's so good. So you can kind of see this like water tower just exploding as the gargoyles go through it. And then the next panel, Spider-Man, like, com- almost completely in the shadow, uh, jumping up to face the gargoyles again. Like, that yep. that panel with the gargoyles flying away from the panel and Spider-Man kind of just yes. adjusting himself on that building is just so good. Yep. And then Actually, even going down to the next panel with, like, the, the shadow and the, and the lighting that, the, that he used for Spider-Man is great flawless it's actually the original yeah. page 18 oh is it okay yeah it says at the bottom 18 so but anyway okay. but anyway yeah no like that, that shot of that water tower that actually reminds me of a classic steve ditko spider-man cover there was a there was a classic cover where spider-man is dwarfed by the size of this giant water tower kind of reminds me of that but yeah like again you want to talk about you know just the variety here you, the, the water tower is giant mm-hmm. in panel one and then in the next one, it's Spider-Man's dwarfed again, except now by the gargoyles, which in the previous panel were tiny, right? Mm-hmm. So the camera's kind of sw- every angle is completely different. Right. It's telling the story. It's well designed. Yeah, like it's just this is this is one of the best. Honestly, it's one of the best like Bronze Age books I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's very like, good. It honestly might be my favorite one we've discussed. Yeah, through Spider-Man or what we've done with um with quasar quasar yeah now what about um the writing though like because it is still denny o'neill i mean sorry right. denny but i mean yeah. do you like the writing as much or is it just do you think it's all frank miller or what do you think it is i don't know i i think it's the i think it is mostly the art and the storytelling through the art and the panels mm-hmm. and the layout of how how all the characters and the sets are sure the story is pretty basic i think I don't think that it's nece- I don't think it's a bad story, but I think it's a pretty solid one. Sure. Um, well, well, you know what? I mean, everyone in the world knows that even up until this day, people still look down on comics and don't take them seriously. But the right. truth is, is that no matter what you think about the writing in comics, the art has, to me, always been overall really good. Mm-hmm. There's always been great, really talented people working in comics because the thing with writing is, is if you're if you're a great writer and you want to make money, you're going to go into screenwriting or novels or whatever. Even theater probably pays more than comics. Right. But if you're like a really good, like if you're like a Frank Miller, 
and you're a really good artist, I mean, really, you're going to work in either comic books or animation. But when you're an animator, you're only drawing, you're only really, you're part of a studio, right? Like you're, uh -huh. you're, you might be doing layouts, you might be directing, but there's going to be other guys that are drawing the rest of the episode or the scene. So right. it's not quite the same thing. This is the only way to really have control over everything and have, you know, to have kind of like that intimate relationship with the reader where you're controlling everything and they're only seeing what you put there. Right. So, it does it does seem more of an intimate story, especially since there are a very limited number of people working on each issue. Right. Uh, with you know, having some experience with animation, there's very large teams working on even just one episode of a TV show. But right. with comics you can kind of really work with the writers and the the penciler because it's just those are just two people. The whole mm -hmm. issue is written by one person and is drawn by one person and inked by one person. So it's it does feel much more intimate and yep. feels like you can kind of really nail down what you want from a story. So I think, again, that's why this one works. because it, it knows what it is. It knows what it wants to be. The art is very straightforward and tells the story rather than uh, have like needing the dialogue to tell the story for you. Yes, yes. So, I think you know what it, I think you might have hit the nail on the head is it could be I mean I mean Daniel Daniel O'Neill is obviously an okay writer he's mm -hmm. fine but maybe the problem is is that for example with Alan Wise since Alan Wise's storytelling isn't great maybe he's sort of forced to write around that and in right. this comic he doesn't have to because the art is so good that could be it yeah and he Maybe. doesn't have to rely on bad dialogue to explain things and stuff. Right. Yeah, because I, I think that this story is not really much different from most of the ones that we've read. Sure. Uh, I mean, besides the, the few that were kind of lacking, this one yeah. seems like on par with the rest of the stories. But the art kind of just lends to it so well that I think it elevates it to a new level that some of the other ones just haven't been able to reach yet. Sure. Um, um, I'll... Uh, I wanted to point out another uh, panel on page 25. Okay. There's an incredible shot of Spidey kind of um, propping himself up over this building that's got all these holes in the floors. You see that? Or is that is that, is that Doctor Strange's... Uh, yeah, it is, oh, it's Doctor Strange's that's been destroyed. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. His... Uh, what is it? Sanctum? Sanctum Sanctorum. There you go. Sanctum, Sanctum Centaurum. Centaurum. I should know this. I'm ashamed to admit that I really didn't start reading Doctor Strange comics until a couple years ago. But anyway. Oh, okay. But yeah, that shot is interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they can be really kind of out there, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I read uh, a handful of the Ditko stuff, and it's really good. Yeah, anyway. Ditko's art for, for Strange is very classic and iconic for, yep. for that character, for sure. Absolutely, yep. I mean, um, so I'm just kind of flipping through the pages here. Mm -hmm. Again, um, not much to talk about with the story. Because you know what actually is funny is that as I was going through, I maybe I was so focused on the story, but it's almost like I wasn't – or the art. I was focused on the art so much that I w it's almost like I wasn't really picking up what was going on in the dialogue. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was, I was reading it, but it was just like I was just so blown away by this art. Like mm -hmm. even on page like 30, this shot of Spider-Man swinging – over top of um, whatever that thing is, 
That big arc. The big archway, yeah. Yeah. And, and just like, like the, um, the orange kind of lighting. Yeah, so the lighting. Like, and Spider-Man is completely orange in this panel. Mm-hmm. And it's in the, there's only two panels on the page. It's, this page is literally divided in half. Yep. And the first one is very close up of Spider-Man swinging over top of this crowd. And then the next one is kind of a cl- more close up of, on the crowd with Spider-Man swinging above them. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's kind of telling this story and there's a lot of diet like a lot of thought bubbles uh on this page and I, maybe maybe it's really not that many but because it's just divided up into two panels it feels mm-hmm. like it's a lot for each panel sure but it's the art is just so good that i never got bored reading the dialogue sure throughout this shot or the, throughout this page so yeah really good and i will say too i think that um this one stuck a little bit closer to Peter Parker, sure. Uh, with Deb and kind of canceling last minute on the uh, the rock concert that they're supposed to go to, and then having right. to end up going there anyways, and then running into this other girl that is kind of hitting on him, and Deb sees and kind of turns into this again second problem. There's there's sure. no, there isn't enough going on. He's got to have girl trouble on top of that. So, I forgot about that scene because that that was also well done too because it was mm-hmm. all in silhouette, right? Like right. you see, is it, this is the band playing in the background and everything's going on in the foreground? It's just kind of a cool way to do it, right? Yeah, because it kind of shows that it's kind of um you know they can't really see. I'm assuming you know perfectly because they're in right. a bar, and, but it's just yeah, it's a really well done scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really. And great. then yeah, even like the scene of them uh, sitting in the. Uh, the coffee shop or whatever together that again to me feels really uh, will eisner-esque and yeah i don't know it's just really good really well done yeah um, and so yeah so, so go ahead no i was just gonna say yeah the, they they have like the kind of far the one panel is like a far shot of them sitting in the coffee shop window and then the next yep. one is still outside but just kind of punched into them and they're uh because it's nighttime and the coffee shop is open and has lights on but it's dark outside again it has this like fun dramatic lighting where they're lit from behind so it's mm-hmm. they could still have it in shadow and it's and then the next panel is, is him him peter parker and his spider sense is going off so he turns towards the light and it right it jumps from like kind of cast it in shadow to complete brightness when something urgent happens and then the next page again goes back into the cast shadow so it's just so it's such good storytelling through the panel and through the lighting especially yeah yeah it's a, and it's attention to detail like you're right like mm-hmm. the next page with uh with this um marching ba- or this yeah this marching band kind of going through right and peter coming out and just the way it's done yeah it's just it's almost like watchmen right where mm-hmm. you're you're following one moment to the next it's really well thought out and yeah. then i love this shot at the bottom of uh peter jumping into the air and he's obviously <laughs> halfway changing into spider-man like right. oh that's so cool very good yeah uh-huh so all anyway, in all, yeah, I think so, very good issue. Yeah, I mean, for the art, this art, I got to say, I mean, what can you say? It's like 10 out of 10. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Story, not as good, but it's the package itself is much better than most of the other, uh, Denny, especially the Denny O'Neill comics that we've been reading. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, now we are going to move on to Marvel Team-Up. Marvel Team-Up. Uh, all right, let's do it. Spider-Man and the Black Widow. Um, what a contrast. This is a yeah. bizarre 
month. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. Marvel Team Up is a bizarre series. Like, I actually thought it felt like a Stephen Grant story, but it's actually Marv Wolfman on plot and Roger McKenzie on script. Roger McKenzie, who did some of the Captain America stories. Okay. With Quasar. Um, I don't know what to say about this. So, um, so what's the difference between plot and script then? Well, plot, plot would just is just be, kind of like this the general idea, and then script yeah, because is, like the, the 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 plot is like the story beat. So you you could right. have the the plotter and the the artist plot out the whole issue with no dialogue, and then the scripter could theoretically just go in and add all the speech, okay. right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean. Um, it's an interesting way to do it. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe there was a deadline or something. But um, right. this is a weird issue. I gotta say, the art is by a guy I have never heard of. I was of. gonna say I, I don't think I've ever heard of him. I, I can't even pronounce this, but Will uh, Menyo or something. It's yeah. M e u g n i o t. I've never heard of this guy. Menyo. This art. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's not terrible, but the vibe I get is that. Um, the way that he packs his art, like his figures and everything into each panel, it feels more like a comedy style art or, mm-hmm. I mean, and this is not an insult, but like a lot of indie artists um, sort of draw this way. Like it's not really a superhero style artist. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I, I, I did feel like something was a little bit off. And now that you're saying that, that does make sense. It does kind of have that feel to it. Yeah, um, again, not terrible art, but mm-hmm. but not really a focus on, um, oh, geez, it's hard to explain. But yeah, like I, again, I think it's just the way that he packs the figures into the book, and his, his figures are really sort of bendy and mm-hmm. kind of all over the place. It's a little bit more like a comedy uh, book. But, um, yeah, not, they, are, terrible, they are a little yeah. bit more like elasticy and cartoony in this one. Right, elasticy, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so the jumping right off, I, I honestly really enjoyed the first couple of pages. I, okay. it kind of pulled me in because they just jumped right into it and sure. it didn't have to be this big thing that they had to set up kind of peering into Peter Parker's life again, kind of reintroducing who he was. It jumped right into Black Widow spying on this, you know, th- these group of agents and Spider-Man coming in and helping her right away and kind of having that banter back and forth. So they, you just kind of jump, jump right into the action, which I kind of liked. Well, to contrast, mm-hmm. um, are you familiar with a writer named Brian Michael Bendis? Yes. <laughs> okay. I am not a fan of Brian Michael Bendis. And one right. of the reasons is, uh, for example, I once reviewed a comic called Spider-Men mm-hmm. where Peter Parker teamed up with Miles Morales. And it took about 10 pages for them to finally meet up but it's not like those 10 pages were filled with all this other plot going on right. it was just like what filler. you see yeah it was filler like what you see here on this page one took 10 pages to get to in that comic and it's wow. so frustrating because it's just in fact i think it might have even been it might have even been not until the last page of the issue but i could be wrong about that but yeah it's like, so weird like it feels like they maybe had somewhere they wanted to go but didn't know how to get there so they were just kind of like all right let's i guess do whatever we can to kind of fill this in to get what we'll get to what we want to do yeah 
which sucks. Where this one, it just you know they want to have this fun like spy thriller kind of espionage story, and they just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. We kind of just learn what's happening along the way, and because right. the the dialogue and the writing is pretty good, mm-hmm. um, you can just jump right in and learn what's happening along the way and kind of catch up to the characters and to see right. what's going on. I definitely felt like, yeah, to me, I, the writing is better than the typical Denny O'Neill story. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marv Wolfman's a decent writer and Roger McKenzie's pretty decent. Um, so this isn't bad. Again, I guess the, it, it does feel, just like Stephen Grant's scripts, it feels a little bit outside of the main Spider-Man right. canon. Like, it feels a little bit weird, but definitely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I want to point out on page three okay. of the original, um, I really love the the top four panels. Sure, of the car uh, driving, yeah. Or the right, van. so it's actually divided up into four panels. But those four panels next to each other, the entire cityscape is one continuous drawing. And right. within those four panels, you see Spider-Man jumping through them and seeing him kind of like his path along that winding bridge. Right. With all the cars. I, I really thought that was a fun kind of clever way to show him traveling around in Absolutely. his direction. Where the, you know, panels almost like... It's almost as if, like, the camera is rotating sure, and, and sure. panning as Spider-Man is jumping through. Sure, so okay. It, yeah, it yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And again, it's like, again, something they, they did in Watchmen, but, you know, the techniques were already around. It's just that um, Watchmen usually did them better. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, yeah, but you're right, though. Like, again, it's definitely not bad art. Like, some, like, this is a really good uh, panel at the bottom of page, uh, the original page five. Okay. Like, that's a great shot of... Spider-Man sort of, um, you know, like recalling from the explosion or right. pushing yeah. uh, Black Widow. That's a great shot. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I think the thing, the only thing that makes, the, the biggest thing that makes the art weird is that it's like you said, the it's like the anatomy is a little bit rubbery. And so mm-hmm. it makes it feel a little bit inconsistent, whereas a more, maybe it's a more seasoned artist would be really consistent with their anatomy and like proportions. Right. Everything would be perfect. And this is not <laughs> perfect, but at right. least the artist is creative and taking chances. Like if you go to uh, page eight in the original, mm-hmm. there's a really cool sequence um, where this bad guy is webbed up on the bridge. And it's just a cool way to, you know, you show the close up of the guy's face, then you zoom out a little bit, you zoom out a little bit more. And it's and a very, you know. Like cuts to like the entire shot, of, you know, like wide shot of this bridge. Right. Which is great, yeah. I really, so, really like that. Yeah, so at least at least it's creative, you know? Like, it's a little bit like you can see his hand on the next mm-hmm. panel. It's kind of wonky, but at least it's creative, you know? So Right. There's a, uh, there's a one but, funny line. Of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of rubbery, though, on page seven of the original. Okay. In the middle, all the way to the right. Okay. There's this Spider-Man is really rubbery, and his whole body oh, yeah. is so <laughs> yeah. broken. Yeah, what exactly is he doing there? Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, he's in this like really weird pose where he's like it. It's almost a classic Spider-Man pose, except for if Spider-Man's back was broken. 
Well, you know what? I'll give credit to one thing. At least the the, the spider on his back is where it's supposed to be. Like that's true. I yeah. mean, yes, it looks like his back is broken, but at least it looks like it could exist in three dimensional space. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. But there's a really weird line of dialogue I want to talk about sure, on page yeah. nine, um, original page nine, when um, they've got the bad guys and they've webbed them up to this pole and they're swinging away. Mm-hmm. Of course, Black Widow swings too, I guess. I didn't realize that. But um, it's like, book him, Lieutenant, dealing stolen property, arson, and murder one. My pleasure. I've been after this punk for months. <laughs> now, but I, I never took Spider-Man as someone that had that type of relationship with the cops where he could just, you know, it's not like Batman where Batman would kind of just leave criminals tied right. up somewhere and the cops would come get him. I never got that vibe from Spider-Man. So I don't know if that's that Roger McKenzie's just not used to you know, writing yeah. Spider-Man or what? No, but. Norm- normally they, they, he does leave them for the cops kind of tied up or webbed up onto a building or telephone pole or something. But usually the, the police officers are still a little ticked that Spider-Man right. did that. Right. So it, yeah, it is kind of right. weird. The, it is kind of weird to see them thanking him. Totally. So, so yeah, you know, this is, it's a weird story. Like we end up running into the owl who, Mm-hmm. Actually had Wolverine's haircut and claws twenty years before Wolverine did, <laughs> but uh, kind of a weird character. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with this character. Did you, so, did you see the, the Daredevil TV show? Yes, he was actually in season one. Oh, but okay, they're, they're too cool to call him the Owl, so they used his like real name. Oh, okay. And he didn't look anything like the Owl or act like him, but yeah, that was yeah. the Owl. So yeah, not. I mean. Not much. There's kind of a big fisticuffs at the end. Yeah, it it turns into this like just shit, like crazy like gun show where there's like tons of firing and mm-hmm. like uh, I'll try. Oh, it's it's a uh, page thirteen of the original. Okay. Uh, well, I guess it kind of starts page twelve as well. But uh, he swings into this building where this guy is tied up and then every single door <laughs> in this room which is probably like there's probably like 10 20 doors open up and you know a hundred guys maybe pop out with guns and start firing yeah and and going like leading into to page 13 that like those first two panels are just insane there's so much yeah. going on which kind yeah. of lends to what you're saying with it being a little bit cartoony and goofy right right and no, and, and again, this is one of my pet peeves with panel layouts is how you have the top panel small, and then there's tech, it's like a bigger panel that's overlaid with a smaller panel. Right. But because they cut the frame into the bigger panel, it just really throws off the composition. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of awkward. And I mean, Spider-Man doesn't look right. The people don't look right. You know. Yeah. Just a really awkward panel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I'm I'm curious to how much of that is like, did they have the panel set up beforehand in this instance, or did they have like this nice big large panel, but then realize that they drew Spider-Man a little bit too far to the right, so then they just stuck a panel <laughs> in the top left corner. Like, I wonder how that good ha- yeah, ends up that's happening. Possible, maybe. Because yeah, I'm 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 not familiar. Like, do you know? Like, I'm assuming the panels and art is kind of done at the same time well i mean i and again i've i mean i drew comics when i was younger but i'm not a professional but right. ideally you would plan out the page first right you would you would uh kind of draw like thumbnail your, it yeah you would right. draw out your panels 
and then you would thumbnail it so at least you had like your rough layouts but mm-hmm. i mean again this artist he's a decent artist but he he seems inexperienced so for all we knew he started drawing you know panel one without even knowing what it what was going to be in panel two yeah you know it's yeah. possible yeah <sighs> well, pretty rough yeah so yeah it kind of peters out and uh yeah, we got kind of a com- comedic ending where... Uh, uh, yeah, we're just kind of shoots out of the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying so... to save you boys a couple, but you took too long. It's like... Oh. <laughs> kind of an inconsequential story in the end, yeah. right? And they even goof on the owl. Like, at the beginning, he is kind of this, like, menacing kind of presence. And then by the end of it, right. Spider-Man is like spinning him around in his chair and he loses control and crashes through a building and it right. really does feel like it's 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 trying to be comedic in this moment right like with, right. with the like well, the wide shot of him crashing through and like losing yes. control it just seems so goofy and well, then, and then, then the, with the last page with what happens to his chair and then with the shot of black widow obviously meant to be funny so right yeah clearly it, yeah, kind of just an inconsequential, mm-hmm. funny story. Not much right. to it. And again, one of those classic, <laughs> abrupt endings. Yeah, we're getting used to those, I guess, eh? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <sighs> well, let's see. What's next? What do we got here? Spectacular Spider-Man number 47. Yes. Is next. Uh, this is by Roger Stern and Marie Severin. Um, so, Roger Stern is our buddy. He's the guy right. who... Well, he's not actually our buddy. But he's the kind of the reason we're focusing on this era. He's mm-hmm. our main man. Are you familiar with Marie Severin? Sorry, what, what was that? Are you familiar with Marie Severin? Um, only in name. Because she's, she's actually the... I, I don't know if she's come up in the last... I, I'm mixing up... I've been reviewing so many comics lately. But right. she's actually the only woman f- from the original Marvel... Uh, like roster of artists so mm-hmm. she's been working with marvel since the 60s right and uh, I, I did know that i'm just i'm I'm actually not familiar with necessarily some of the runs that she's done sure yeah i don't know if she so, really had like a long i think she did the hulk that was her one okay long-term series yeah but i definitely like if i wouldn't have known it was her my first instinct might be oh this is kind of like another typical no i don't want to say fill-in but sort of a fill-in spider-man from this era but the more I looked at it, the storytelling is really clear. It's mm-hmm. just that the anatomy is not as maybe strong as some of the art, sure. other artists that we've come across. But it's certainly decent art. And as far as the yeah. writing, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yep. No, I was gonna say, yeah, I think I think all in all, this this issue was a pretty solid. Yes. One, it like with the art, storytelling, the panels, like I think all in all was pretty good. I think, yeah, you know, it's like we, 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 we talked about all these regular features we were going to introduce, and we've kind of dropped the ball on all of them, but um, <laughs> I think this was my favorite issue of, yeah. the, of the four, because it felt, it felt like, it felt like, it, at this point, it feels like Roger Stern, he's got a master plan, and it feels like every issue is very well thought out, and... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, that's obviously important. Like, even though towards the end it kind of just turns into a long fight scene, it seems like every step of that fight scene is, again, well thought out, right? Like, right. there's a different way that it's not just generic guys punching each other. It's like 
like it's step by step what happens you know and and it's like what is this obstacle what's that obstacle and so for that reason i really like this issue yeah and and you know what i actually have a little bit of a soft spot for prowler too so i was also kind of excited to to jump into this is it just Um, because of the movie or spider-verse i yeah it's spider-verse i also do like uh ultimate spider-man and and i i and because of that i went and read a lot of like about prowler um okay. a couple of years back when i started reading the miles morales spider-man sure um see i didn't even know he was i never read really ultimate spider-man so i didn't know he was in it right yeah and and it's a completely different uh prowler okay. uh there's been i believe three prowlers in the right in the uh 616 Okay. And then um, Aaron Davis in Ultimate. I mean, there okay. there might there might have been more, but that's just what I know. There was uh, Hobie Brown, which is the original Prowler, yeah, and he kind of ends up being like a vigilante, good guy, bad guy, mm. kind of flops back and forth. And then yeah, the the second one was this one that we're we're reading about now, where this like just random like thug, this is sure. cat burglar. Uh, steals the suit from Roby, uh, from uh, uh, Hobie Brown. Yeah, and then again, it's uh, uh, stolen when he uh, breaks his back or something like that, or his neck. So he's in the hospital for a really long time, and then this nurse steals it from him. So you really can't keep track okay. of this problem yeah. suit. <laughs> well, and it's funny because when I started reading Spider-Man in the late 80s, like right. I really, really getting into it, um, the Prowler was around, but I kind of thought he was always a regular. But even at this point, he hadn't been in Spider-Man right. since like the late 60s, I think, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's it's very cool that Roger Stern sort of dug back deep into, you know, the back issues and pulled this character out. So I thought yeah. that was really cool. Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was like late 60s, early 70s when um, Prowler first appeared. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like like late like around number I think they said ninety three of Amazing was the last oh, okay. time he appeared, so whatever year that was, yeah. But yeah. But no, I really did like the story. Again, like um well paced, well thought out, the characters felt real. Um I, I just love the fact that he goes and again it doesn't it doesn't feel forced or rushed, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, let's go talk to Hobie Brown, find out what's been going on. Oh, sorry, I guess the Prowler did appear in Defenders. He actually appeared oh, in right. um, that 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 uh, we reviewed this in Quasar Chronology, where a bunch of random superheroes show up to audition for the Defenders. I just didn't realize oh, that he was okay. one of them. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so then anyway, towards the end of the story, we find out that it ties back into Roger Stern's first issue, right? Because it it brings back this character. What's her name? Um, uh, Belladonna. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah. yeah, Belladonna. So that's pretty cool. Um, we get a nice little, you know, excursion into Peter Parker's, you know, personal life with going to visit Aunt May, and that's fairly well done. It's not rushed, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, overall, um, like I said, this issue is my favorite of the month. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that for me pushes it over the edge for my uh, favorite of this month is the cliffhanger. I love when there's like a really good cliffhanger. Yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this one this one definitely uh, had a fun ending. And the thing is, is I I do like self-contained stories, but mm-hmm. when you like when it seems like Roger Stern's got everything kind of planned out, so you're right. I mean, 
like if he knows where he's going, then he knows exactly how to lead to it, and that makes for a strong ending, right? Exactly. Yeah. If if they have uh, a story in mind and and they know what they're going to tell and know the arc ahead of time, I almost always enjoy it because they have it really well planned out because it has to connect with itself, right? So right. I, I I normally like these fun arcs that kind of span two or three issues uh, mm-hmm. when they are planned out and the same writer as well. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because I think I think our first Quasar chronology, it was it was supposed to be this overarching story with Captain America, but every issue was written by a different person. Right. So it felt so disjointed and and like right uh, awful. Like it was well, just. <laughs> didn't well, the, connect at all and that's the thing is like back in the 90s um like books like batman and mm-hmm. uh superman i mean a lot of people have fond memories of the, those 90s superman comics mm-hmm. but really what it was was it was like a weekly comic but every issue was written and drawn by a completely different team mm-hmm. and so of course there was some coordination and but you, it's just never going to be the same if you're jumping back and forth between right. writers and artists right Mm-hmm. It's just impossible. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than someone just having control over everything. Um, right. You know, I, I also I can't really pinpoint like all the dialogue is good, but like there's just a subtle quality to Roger Stern's dialogue. Like when Spider-Man, it's on the last page. When Spider-Man says, "Lady, I have to ask why? Why go to all this trouble to stop me?" And she just casually says, "Because I don't like you. You interfere with my plans, <laughs> and you're too unpredictable, too strange." Like it just, you know, it, it's just. Um, I think you'll notice that later, like, um, his characters are really matter-of-fact, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. But, yeah, overall, the whole issue is good. And it's like, you're going through the issue, and the art is packed, and the dialogue's packed, but it never feels like you're just wasting time. It all feels strong, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. So, okay, how about that? So, we kind of gave our favorite issue for the month. What's your favorite cover for the month? Ooh, favorite cover. Oh, I didn't think about that. You know, uh, I I think maybe it was the annual. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I th- it, it was like, uh, it was pretty unique compared to all the other ones. You have some yep. like fun lighting, Doctor Doom in the background, kind of uh, in this like green and yellow, like particle effect almost. Right. And the this like gem kind of right front center with Doctor Strange kind of pinned to it. It's yeah, it's a fun cover. Absolutely, that's the one mm-hmm. that stands out. Like to be honest, like this cover, it's sort of just popped up in other places, and I've never seen the other one. So this is, but yeah, absolutely my favorite right. cover of the month. I mean, even down to like the the caption at the bottom: Spidey and Doctor Strange, or sorry, D- Spidey and Doctor Strange versus Doctor Doom and the dreaded Dormammu. Nuff yep. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, you know what else? I got to point out something. This is um, this is a, an interesting little uh, tidbit here. So we've got four Spider-Man books, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is called Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, which was later changed to Spectacular Spider-Man, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, then it gets confusing because then later on there was a book called Spider-Man by Todd McFarlane. Then they changed the title of that one to Peter Parker semicolon spider-man okay but at this point in spider-man's history the book was called amazing spider-man my sorry it was called amazing spider-man but did you notice here on the cover what it says it just says spider-man oh yeah i didn't even 
I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and the thing is, is people tend to use the short form like amazing when they talk about this book or like uncanny when they talk about uncanny X-Men. Mm-hmm. But usually in the indicia at this point, X-Men was just called X-Men. And for a long time, Amazing Spider-Man, I think, was just called Spider-Man. And I personally, I would prefer that Marvel just drop the adjectives. And I, they just called it all. Like, I wish Spider-Man was just Spider-Man. Avengers was just Avengers. What's your opinion right. on that? Yeah, I think that... Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe because I've it's just always been that way. It feels sure. like it fits. But I, think, I guess thinking about it, uh, like... Without that in mind, it would make more sense to just have the character name or kind of just drop that adjective. But having multiple issues of Spider-Man coming out each month, it does make sense. To just keep amazing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because because you do have amazing and spectacular and the team-up all coming. I mean, I guess the team-up doesn't really count. But if you have three different Spider-Man stories coming out each month, you have to have something to distinguish them and keep them different because the amazing, the amazing, like, like for example, the spectacular Spider-Man is going to be, is, is a cliffhanger. It's going to be connecting to the next issue. But Uh if it was just Spider-Man, you might, you know, confuse confuse them. Yeah. This keeps me up at night, but anyway, (laughs) Um, okay, so that wraps up this episode. Yeah. Uh, so that wraps up uh, what month it was that? That was, that was October. October of 1980. 1980. Next month, yeah, next month we're going to do November 1980, and we're going to mm-hmm. be covering Amazing Spider Man 210 with Ma- Ma- Madame Web or Madame Web. Madame Web. Uh, yeah, Marvel Team Up Annual number three. Once again, no Spider Man sight. It's the Hulk teamed up with Power Man, Power Man and Iron Fist. Which is and always then, a fun duo. Yes, and then Power, and then sorry, and then Marvel Team Up ninety nine with Spider Man and Machine Man, and then Peter Parker number forty eight, with uh, a character I've never heard of, so I won't even mention who it is. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so um, you can take it from here, Josh. All right. Um, so, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's it for uh, here comes the Spider Cast. Uh, tune in next week where we talk about. Uh, November of 1980. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, just to, uh, you know, I'm not sure where you're listening to us, but, um, you know, we do have the website, comicbooksyndicate.com. We've got mm-hmm. the Facebook page. We've got a YouTube channel. And then hopefully soon we'll be on iTunes and Spotify and all that fun stuff. Right. So The Comic Book Syndicate you're... is also on Twitter as well. Yes, yes. Um, at, and... at Comic Syndicate. Yep. So if you want to follow the comic book syndicate there, uh, it'd be really cool to kind of get some feedback from you. You guys can tweet at us and let us know what you thought of the issues and what you thought of the podcast. Uh, We'd love to hear some feedback and continue the conversation. Absolutely. Let us know what you thought of the comics themselves and let let us know what you think of our reviews, please. And that's about it. Tell everybody you know all about us. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from everybody. And we'll see you again next Monday on Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. See you later.